Welcome to Story Jam. Hey, this is Stephanie Rogers. I'm the host and producer of Story Jam, a live lit storytelling and music show based in Chicago. Story Jam presents fantastic stories and a kick ass band playing original songs written for each story. For more about that, please visit us at storyjamshow.com. Today's podcast features the fabulous Shane Hendricks. Shane is a beloved part of the Story Jam family. We'll hear Shane's story from our live show, the song we wrote and played for it, and then we'll have a brief chat with Shane. Story Jam is proudly sponsored by the Royal Bank of Canada. Now here is Shane Hendricks, live at Story Jam. Thank you, my dear. It's days like today that, uh, that do call forth memories, don't they? I remember a hot summer afternoon And I rode my bicycle past the East Ridge Wig Emporium and stood gazing into the mouth of the Bachman Tube. The Bachman Tube is a 30-foot-high, 1,000-foot-long tunnel that runs straight through the heart of Missionary Ridge. This tunnel would lead me from the doldrums of East Ridge, Tennessee, to the hustle and bustle of Chattanooga. I knew my mother would be angry if I went through that tunnel. And I didn't care. Because you see, I was angry. And I had what I thought were two very good reasons for that. Number one, Mother Margot and stepfather number four had no plan for me when school let out that year. They got up, they went to work, and they left me at home alone all day, every day. I was nine. It was boring. And reason number two, yesterday, on her day off, they left me in the boiling hot car for hours while she shopped in the Wig Emporium. I wanted to go into the Wig Emporium. My mother knew I would love the Eastridge Wig Emporium. What nine-year-old boy wouldn't? Right? Well... All thoughts of the heat flew right out of my head the minute she emerged from that building. The transformation was so complete. No more champagne parfait blonde bouffant. Oh, no, no. Instead, long, dramatic mahogany red tresses and the biggest false eyelashes I'd ever seen. It was as if Liza Minnelli had joined the cast of the Mod Squad. And I was madder than ever more determined than ever to go through that tunnel. Never mind the tunnel for now. (laughs) She was absolutely furious to find me and my new best friend sitting on the roof of the house when she and number four got home that afternoon. (laughs) She said, Michael, Shane, get down off of that roof, boy, right this minute. And as we approached, she said, "Hmm. who is this? 
Now, it is worth mentioning at this point that her right eyebrow, long known for rising in direct relation to her ire, was at least one inch higher than the other one. <laughs> My poor new best friend came up and said, I'm Daryl, and I gotta go. And off he sped. After my treacherous ride through that tunnel, I had gone into a sketchy neighborhood of sorts and wound up in the courts, as we used to call them. A funny apartment complex of sorts. We had driven through there before. It seemed dangerous and sad, but on that day, it just looked like a group of rundown buildings with a play park. And that's where I met Daryl. What were y'all doing up on that roof? My mother wanted to know. Well, we were just sitting there. <laughs> It was Daryl's idea. She said, honey, you know we don't mind you bringing your friends home and all, but uh, where did you find him? In the courts? Well, the eyebrow flew up so high I thought it would knock the red wig off the bleached blonde head. <laughs> she said, the courts? You went through the tunnel? You could have been killed. The eyebrow relaxed. She held me tight. Michael Shane, don't be going through that tunnel. Don't ever go through that tunnel again. And don't ever go back to the courts. And not because that boy is black, because it's dangerous. This was the soft, warm side of my mother. The side that cried in movies. The side that had taught me about the N-word. I remember she'd said, honey, I don't ever want to hear you say that word. Oh, you'll hear them say it at school. You'll hear my daddy say it and your cousins. But don't you ever call anybody that word. That word hurts people. But my mother had a cold, hard, steely side to her as well. And that was the side that had directed me to hold on tight to a flagpole as we had driven through those very same courts just a few months earlier, terrorizing African-American families because busing, mandatory integration of public schools had finally come to Chattanooga. I'd never seen a Confederate flag that big. And the thing I remember most about that day was some woman's eyes. They locked onto mine when we drove by and they seemed to say, oh Lord, baby, they got you up to this? I didn't yet know why, but I knew. I knew it was wrong, this thing we were up to. And it didn't help when the compatriots drove by, waving their flags, everyone honking jubilantly. No, the truth of the matter is, it was because Daryl was black that she didn't want me in those courts. Suddenly, there was a plan. The very next morning, I was enrolled in day camp for the rest of the summer. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, the soft, warm side of Mother Margot heard that I was having some hard times, and she brought me a care package one day. There was this beautiful handmade quilt. I still have it to this day. Two bags of groceries and 
a special treat, courtesy of the non-denominational born-again Christian Amway pyramid she had founded with husband number six. (laughs) I brought you some groceries, honey. Oh, no, no, I can't come in. Honey, this is... This is the new multi-surface cleaner. It kills the AIDS virus on contact. I still don't know just exactly what surface she thought I went clean with that stuff. (laughs) I wanted to scream, oxygen kills the virus, mother. But you see, my boyfriend was dying. So I bit my tongue. We needed the food. She had finally hit it big with husband number six. That woman finally found a man with money in the bank and the Holy Spirit in his heart. From poor white trash to upper crust sanctity in six little marriages, facelifts, furs, speaking in tongues, praise God, hallelujah. I visited Mother Margot recently, first time in 20 years. She's still a cold, hard racist. The Holy Spirit didn't change that. But now that I'm older, I can see that hiding behind the money, the religion, the white privilege, she's also a coward. A scared little old lady, scared to death that her very way of life will cease to be. Sometimes, these days, she is like a soft, warm quilt that wraps around me. And most importantly, at long last, she is my friend. If I remember to bite my tongue. Thank you. Mother Margot stands before the flag A copy of the gospel in her designer bag She believes in God above Jesus' abiding love but just for some Mother Margot is an almost saint If it weren't for her belief she would be great She can laugh and care and hold Do the mother things as told and strike a flame Mother Margot There's so much you don't know Light another candle Goodbye To the long lost soul I know I'm not alone when I believe We often wish our loved ones showed up Serves an awesome laugh to whomever sends the family matches down. Mother Margot, there's so much you don't know. Light another candle, goodbye 
Conversation with Shane. We're talking today with Shane Hendricks, the masterful, the marvelous, the gorgeous, <laughs> the talented Shane Hendricks. Shane, how did you get into storytelling? It was fortuitous. I ran into this this pretty blonde lady in a makeup chair one day. You know this, but but your <laughs> listeners may not know. You and I met while getting ready for a photo shoot with a photographer here in the city, and we began to talk. And I was a frustrated actor. And you are the creator and curator of Story Jam. And one thing led to another. And I thought, well, I haven't been on stage in 20 years. I'm going to listen to this lady. I'm going to go take her class and see if I can't write something. And that's that's how it started. And you were a superstar, instant superstar. But you said that you hadn't been acting for 20 years. You hadn't been on a stage. It's so hard to believe because you are such a natural performer. Why did it take you 20 years to get back on the stage? Life got in the way, and this may be one of the reasons I'm a, I'm a good candidate for, for storytelling. I had issues from my past, from past traumas, which led to addictions, and that consumed more than two decades of my life. I was an active addict. I was, most of the time, I was able to keep a job, some of them for many years, and keep a roof over my head, but there would be times here and there when things would spin out of control. The addiction got in the way of the important stuff. That's the short answer to that. Well, congratulations on your sobriety. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we're glad <laughs> to have you back. The world is glad to have you back, Shane. <laughs> you are a fantastic performer, as we have seen now twice at Story Jam, most recently at our seventh anniversary show. You stole, you stole the show. There were 15 storytellers that day, and you're the one people are talking about. Why uh, are you the one people talk about? What is your magic? <laughs> Tell me about oh, your magic. Oh, dear God. Why am I the one people talk about? I wondered that when I was in the second grade. It was <laughs> never fun to be the outcast. You know what? I don't know. I think 
that show, that particular moment, that was a story that had been rolling around in my head for a long, long time. And you really helped me pare it down and get it where it needed to be. It was it was too long. I was trying to tell <laughs> 17 chapters of someone's autobiography to get to the point of it all, and you helped me. But I think because everyone can relate to the subject matter of being starstruck and and seeing celebrities in the Hollywood Hills, and then some of the things that I saw and encountered when in my my short time in LA were not pretty, and, or or they were shocking, or they were bawdy and funny. Not what you think of when you see the carefully crafted personas of of celebrities. And then, of course, I, I had to throw in, you know, I had to belt, I had to sing, and I think that's part of it too. Oh, you are a fantastic singer. The- <laughs> The, the the story we just heard is your story about Mother Margot, and that was a very, very moving story. Was that difficult to tell? You know, I thought it would be, but it wasn't. It was a joy to tell because that that story, as you know, is a story that I worked on throughout the six weeks of taking your class. Instead of doing what we thought we were going to do, which was come out of there with two stories, I just kept focusing on this one. And by the time I got to the place where I was able to tell it in front of a live audience, it was a joy because it has beauty and horror and pain. It's life. And even though I hadn't been on stage in over 20 years, I knew that that story would touch at least one person in the room. And that's really all I cared about. That, of course, I'm not forgetting where I was <laughs> in the story. <laughs> you're such a good performer. You Are you going to do your solo show? I know you're planning something, aren't you? I am writing furiously. I've been writing furiously on this thing for over four years now. I have reams and reams of paper. I'm now in a place where I'm tr- trying to whittle it down. And so I have notebooks and notebooks with with post-it notes sticking out of them. And I don't even know how to go about editing. But yes, you know, Mother Margot is a part of a larger story. And I want to tell that story. So I'm just going to try to get about 60 minutes worth of stuff Mm. on paper and see what I can do with that. But we'll see, you know. Well, we need you to do it and we need you to finish it. And we're looking (laughs) forward to seeing you. Because your beautiful self needs to be seen by a broad, big audience. You're so special, Shane. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Ah, you're sweet, Stephanie. Thank you so much. And and I want to say thank you to you personally for what you've done for me, but also how you encourage everybody in the storytelling community, because you are, you're not just, you know, a doyen of the storytelling world. You're not just someone who throws up a show once in a while. You're a real advocate for the art of storytelling and how it differs from other performance media. And so, uh, you know, I got to say thanks for that because storytelling is a, is a beautiful world and you're a big part of it here in this city. And that's great. Thank you. Oh, thanks Shane. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you, dear listeners. Please don't forget to visit us online and find out all about our storytelling workshops, classes, events, and our upcoming retreat. And please take a moment to review us if you have the time. Always remember and never forget, in perpetuum storius, it means keep those stories going. See you next time at Story Jam.
check us out at storyjamshow.com.